This is State of Water. This is State of this Water. This is State of Water. This is State of Water. State of Water coming at you right now. State of Water, a podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate. Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life, State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track. Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to titletrackmichigan.org slash contact to sign up for our mailing list. Welcome back, friends. We hope you're staying well out there and keeping up the quest. On this, our 20th episode, we feature a dear friend who has brought so much to our community. Rachel Marco Havens is a multidisciplinary, solutionary artist. Rachel is an advocate, an activist, a radio show host, a musician, and an adept communicator who ignites action. Seth Bernard, Rachel's longtime friend, sat down with her to have a deep discussion about how becoming a water protector changed her life. For those of you who might not be familiar with the Northern Michigan event, later in the episode they mention Harvest, and they're referring to Earthwork Harvest Gathering, an event that is much, much more than a music festival. Earthwork Harvest Gathering creates an intergenerational safe space to cultivate healing, empowerment, and collaborative community enrichment in a three-day cultural celebration on Earthwork Farm in Northern Michigan. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Rachel Marco Havens. Here's Seth Bernard. Rachel, it's so great to connect with you. Always a joy to talk about life and, and water and the revolution with you. There's so much to explore. You know, the story of how our paths cross and how, you know, you have become woven into the community here in Michigan while very deeply embedded in, in the community in upstate New York uh, doing your work. I'm curious if you could just sort of share with our listeners a little bit about your personal relationship with water. Mm. Water, I heard something this morning, is the first medicine. Mm. Our first medicine in, the, in that conversation about water is life, water being life. Um, there's so much to learn, yeah? Mm. And I have always appreciated the water as I live in the community here in New York that one of the communities that supplies water to Manhattan. And we are surrounded by 
streams and rivers and lakes and reservoirs. And so I've always grown up very close to the water and find some of my favorite places in the world to be beside the water here and by the ocean. And so I've always had this strong relationship with the water, but not so clearly until the water in my community became vulnerable. Mm. And the interesting thing about that is that the water not only changed my life, the water came and brought lessons that shifted and people and community that changed everything about who I am in the last six years. Mm. So the beautiful part about all of that too is how much um, Michigan has been a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I grew up here in Woodstock at the feet at the, of the seat of His Holiness Karmapa, who is one of the four, the lineage holders of one of the four lineages of Tibetan Buddhism. And so I grew up in this uh, very spiritual, interesting, strange town, selling the New Age to Woodstock, New York, um, from behind the counter of a metaphysical and uh, health food metaphysical book and health food store. Mm -hmm. And so I had this very sort of unique upbringing and I don't really relate very well to um, Western culture and I've never really felt much like an American really. It it just never felt like home. I was born at the Eastern Gate of Turtle Island and I didn't necessarily have that language then, but I know that now. Um, Mm -hmm. Although you could say I was born in Kingston, right? But uh, I spent so much of my life doing this inner landscape work and really actually had a bit of an aversion to the, the marches on Washington, the, the displays of activism um, as I had grown up to see it. And coming out of the 60s generation, I, you know, I had a lot of um, my own jaded thoughts around how the mess we were left. And, you know, mm-hmm. we were given a lot of ideals, my generation. I'm turning 51 this year. I was born in 1969. And so I, um, I really felt a little bit of resentment. You know, it was like we were given ideals but, and some tools, but not really as much direct uh, visceral experience of that movement of the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so I had my own thoughts about it. And so when I came coming out of that, I was looking at friends of mine who were marching in Washington and standing in the streets. And I was thinking, you know, I'll be here praying for you from the cushion. And then I became a mom. And I, I kept that thought process. I had dreams and visions and ideals. But I never I didn't have a community that could actually show me what that looked like beyond thought leadership Mm. and and so i uh have this deep deep relationship with the early wine family who's a michigan beloved family for many different reasons and many different members of their family have graced many different places on the globe right Mm -hmm. and so Anne early wine and i met at karma triana dharma chakra in the, in the early 90s and we've we've nurtured a beautiful relationship for all these years and in the middle of probably the heart one of the hardest times in my life and in relationship with my partner at the time i needed a break and and, and Anne said her and her partner said you need to come to harvest mm-hmm. and so i came to harvest at the end of of um, a very difficult attempt at being um, a, an American style partner, which is not how I grew up either, right? I'm just a very unique, very sort of uh, rebel 
of sorts. And, um, and so I was having this really wild time in my life and it was time to break out of a lot of places. And I was questioning my value and questioning my, um, capacity and really in a, in a hard way. And I landed at harvest gathering and was welcomed in such a blessed way and was shown this community that felt for me so viscerally like what it felt like to grow up in Woodstock in like the 70s. Like here was community, here were people coming together to feed each other, to nourish each other, to nourish the children, to share the music, to teach the music, to consider uh, new thought processes, new ways of approaching each other, um, and, and so I left there and yearned to return for another year. And the year went by and I came back again and I drove home in tears, 17 hours, uh, with the cycle of um, Pat Carroll and, and uh, Chris Dorman on my my stereo and I didn't take either of them out. It was like one mm. and the two. And they guided me home as I returned to a community that I didn't feel had any uh juice like that like i was coming home and there was no juice here and where's the community and where are the people standing and stepping up and where are where's that community and there's plenty of people who think they live that here or at the time right but i wasn't seeing it and so i returned home and beautifully at the very end of chris dorman's album sita uh where everyone just cheers we we did it it's the end of the album and as i turned my key <laughs> off in my driveway the cheers erupted and the timing was so impeccable and i mm. walked into a home that felt quite empty and i just yearned and i asked the universe for something that could show me something some community like that mm-hmm. and i opened my computer and and there was a message that said your water is in play mm step up now because they are going to tap your beautiful lake that you walk, you know, weekly, if not daily at times. They've offered a, a, the town of that owns it. It was a little reservoir in, in my town. They're going to tap it for 1.75 million gallons a day to the largest, uh, second largest privately owned bottling company in the U.S. And... Mm. In that moment, everything changed. It was like, you know, be careful what you ask for, right? Yeah. And it was deep, and it was, um, it saved my life. Like, I can thank that uh, bottling company for coming because they returned me to the center of my voice, my um, my my uh, conviction. Right, my I, I began to return to the seat of my power, and it, in a beautiful way, gave me something to dive into. Um, I was living in a relationship that I was folding. I kept folding, folding, folding. My partner wanted to fight, 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 whether it was his way out of the relationship or his, me for not being able to, wanting to, re- whatever it was, it was a fight, and I kept folding. And suddenly I was given a fight, and mm. that fight for our water woke me up to to myself again, to the power that I have in in my own intuition, in connection to community. And so what happened really, really shifted my life because it took me out, off the cushion, 
it took me into the streets. It took me into the halls of justice. It took me out to Standing Rock. It took me back to Michigan. It took me across the country. It took me to the UN. And I had no idea when I read those words, your water is in play, what was to come. And the first people I thought of at that time was my family in Michigan, because I knew that Michigan had been dealing with Nestle for mm-hmm. ages, right? Yeah. We were very fortunate in our timing. And I'll share a few of the details, because I think it's kind of important, because no one ever knows when they're going to come for you. And it's good to have even a few little tips so what happened for me was as soon as I saw that, that statement, I stepped up and I said, okay, who am I going to call? And I mm-hmm. called a dear friend of mine who worked in uh, local politics, and they directed me to a person who was forming a team to handle the situation. They're called KingstonCitizens.org. And it was a civically engaged group of women in the nearby town. And it's a little, it might be a little interesting but it'll give you a little bit of an idea of how they come. So the water was a small body of water called the Cooper Lake, and it's in Woodstock. Kingston, New York, which is about 12 miles away from that body of water, owns it, quote-unquote, and it's a reservoir for their little city. And the water's piped down to the city. There's a nearby city called Ulster, and that is a, a city that had the rights to some of the water because IBM once resided on on property there and they had been given 50 years ago the right to use this water of million gallons. That town also mm. has some funky water. I'm not sure what's up with it, but they met, they um, they blend 750,000 gallons of, of that same water from Cooper Lake that they have easement of or they've been given the by Kingston which, if you know the numbers, that's 1.75. So it sounds to me like uh, when Niagara Bottling Company asked for 1.75 million gallons, it looked to me a little bit like maybe the supervisor, Mr. Quigley, was willing to maybe give up some of the water he was using to, uh, for the safety of his own community, that his municipality that he was covering, right? But it was 1.75 million gallons. So... Yeah. As he was going for this water and Kingston, who was in charge or, you know, care in, in care for this water, that water board was also looking at some really serious infrastructure issues and they needed to come correct with them and they didn't have the money. So they were looking for an avenue to bring in money. So they basically said, sure, we'll sell some of this water. You give us the money that we will be able to fix some of our pipes. And we're, we don't really have to do much about it because Quiggs is handling it over in uh, in Ulster. That also came with a, a 540,000 square foot bottling plant. In the middle of a uh, major shopping center. Mm. So it was a really big issue because we had three municipalities and one who had absolutely no connection to the water who put himself as the quote-unquote lead agent in um, overseeing the environmental review. Mm. So by the time I got into this conversation, there was already a letter called a will-serve letter that said, yeah, we'll give you that water. Now you have to follow through on these 
agreements in order to get it. Well, we had to come in very quick, very fast, and I was not particularly versed in any of this and and uh, a little reluctant to um, to step in in such a way where I was really just in a reactionary place. And so I became the events coordinator, and we began to screen taps across tapped uh, a film about Nestle coming to um, Freiburg, Maine. Mm-hmm. And um, we screened that across the, the Hudson Valley mm. and augmented it with panel discussions at the end. Mm-hmm. And so while this was all happening, I was listening and going to meetings and learning and learning and growing and, and really fascinated and fortunate to have the mentors that I did uh, one woman, Rebecca Martin, was very involved in civic engagement in her community. And the other, Jennifer Schwartzberg, was an urban planner who had also done quite a bit of uh, work on the Economic Development Council's plan in in the Mid-Hudson Valley. So there was very strong people at the forefront of our group, which was primarily women. And we were able to be in communication with the county executive, with all different members of the community, and we were looking at some really hard hits. Are you with me? I'm here, yes. <laughs> Are we still here? It's intense conversation, but um, yeah. but this you asked me how the water has affected me, and it's really taught me a lot, and it threw me right in. Mm-hmm. I'm right here so with we're you. Looking, okay. So we're so we're looking at this 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 issue, and there's a, a group of us coming together. And this was not the people in my community. This was the people in the quote unquote community a couple towns over. And in my community, what was happening is that the people around who were stepping up were stepping up in a reactionary way. They were stepping up to save their lake. And as hard as I tried with the group that had st- stood up there. Um, no one really wanted to hear much about how this little town of Woodstock, New York, where the festival didn't happen, could use our voice to um, to speak to, to larger uh, issues and maybe even speak to the issues happening in relation to this particular uh, project, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just our lake. It was... Uh, 200 and something tributaries of the Hudson River. It was the Hudson River. It was the town nearby. It was the town past that. It was the ocean. It was billions of plastic bottles. Hmm. It was tax abatements of um, horrible in 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 uh, in trade for horrible jobs for college students in these economic development conversations and so suddenly i'm looking at economic Mm -hmm. development infrastructure meeting at doorstep and i went oh like this is i'm hearing about it on npr you hear these words economic development infrastructure but but you don't really bring it in until they hit at your doorstep and they come together and so we had a college the the suny the new york colleges were were basically being pass-throughs for tax abatements for in trade for jobs and the kids and the the young people in the colleges were saying we don't want these jobs we don't in in our college in ulster it was this bottling plant you can get internships at a bottling plant and they said no and so the so the environmental 
crew stood up there. And then we had this angry mob of uninformed citizens in Woodstock. That's what I called them. And it really was true. They're like most of our people didn't know what was happening, but they would show up at the right time and back us. So it was this really wild conglomeration of like people who were staying up to 18 to 20 hours a day on this issue, people who were uh, frantically uh, making posters and lawn signs and, you know, just sort of panicking. And there was a strong group of women who stood together and held it out and um, moved forward. And there was also a spirit, you know, and I was thinking about it today, Seth, whether I wanted to talk about this, and it's something that I don't, I don't normally talk about my, my dad, who um passed had passed away about a uh i guess it was a year maybe one or two years before the the water issue came to town but on one night i was driving home from a town board meeting in the town of ulster with um, the supervisor who was brokering our water and I kind of had just given it to him pretty hard, and I was feeling pretty good about it. And I was driving on this road, and I remember the particular spot in the road where I was overcome with this feeling of my dad in the back of the car. And, and, I, and it was like he was over my right shoulder in the passenger seat of the back seat. Mm-hmm. And he said, you missed something. Go look in your inbox. And I thought, what? In my Facebook inbox? Like, why is my dad telling me to go look in the back? And I looked, and there was a message that led me to a rabbit hole of economic development and uh, sustainable green New York practices. and, and, uh, And I had learned about a new grant. That it wasn't a new grant, but it was new to me. It was an economic development application, a funding application that had been applied for by Niagara. And it was for a large amount of money to feed the process of building this, the actual plant. So they had money coming in for the tapping of our water, money coming in for the building of their plant, money coming in from all these different directions. Pretty much we were looking at a government-sponsored corporate water grab. And I was pretty blown away when I learned about this other money. And it was my dad who said, you better go look. And I went and I looked and I learned all this stuff. And in the morning I called Jenny, Jennifer Shores Berkey, who was the economic development. She was kind of leading that chapter, uh, that group. And I said, we have to, we have to get a petition. We need to do something. What are we going to do? We got to stop this. What is this money? And I heard you, Jenny, because every single time we had a meeting, she would say, they're the Economic Development Council's top 25. Uh, they're in their top 25 priorities for the Mid-Hudson Valley. And I said, well, finally, I said, what does that mean? And I ne- none of us ever really heard. I didn't hear it, and I never heard anyone else hear it. But once I was clued into this conversation about what that was, I turned to Jenny. I said, what have you been telling about this, us about this this whole time? What are we going to do? And she said, I, okay, simmer down. I hadn't slept in five days. Um, my relationship was falling apart finally. 
um, I finally had something to turn my attention to. And so while I was in the middle of this frantic shift, this to get rid of this bottle company, I was also reclaiming my power, my life force, my um, trust in my intuition and myself. So all mm. of this stuff was happening. And the beautiful part is as we stepped into this, I learned that the particular lake we were protecting was once an indigenous Lenape training like area space that uh, people would come to uh, for rites of passage for young women. They would come for ceremony mm. and education to this space. And so I, here I was, right, in my own rites of passage, stepping off of the cushion and into um, direct action. Mm. And it was powerful. It was a very powerful time. And so I, I called Jenny. I said, we're going we're gonna to do this. And I was totally crazy. And she said, give me an hour. She calls back. She goes, you know what? You're right. We're going for this. And what it was was the one very simple technicality, not the long laundry list I had, which was all very valid. We could have gone at them for a million reasons, but they wouldn't have been as tight as the one which was you cannot give this grant money to a business, a company until they have completed their environmental impact study. And mm. it was enough that we, we had a petition for about, I think it was about eight to 1500 names on it by within four days. By that Monday, we sent them the petition. They coincidentally rescheduled a statewide award ceremony where municipalities from all over the state were coming to get their money for economic development so that these businesses and these communities could quote unquote receive jobs. And I could go in for hours about what was happening around the state, but primarily for instance, Rochester needed new water pipes, and the governor told them to fix their own pipes. There was no money. There was no support for their infrastructure. So there was this sort of like, you have to figure out how to fix your own infrastructure, and I'm pushing economic development, so go sell your souls. And that was really happening. And as this was happening, I was looking out at extractive industry around me, mm -hmm. and I ended up at the very same time that this was happening, the fracking ban went into effect, quote unquote ban, because it's not actually a ban. It travels with this governor. We can't call New York a frack free state until we have an actual ban. But when the quote unquote ban was instated, there was a rally and I went there and I saw the first thing I saw was, um, on this line of people thanking the governor for banning fracking, I saw four pipelines, four fights in a row. The Pilgrim, the Algonquin, the Dominion, and the Constitution. Oof. And the Feng Shui of those four pipelines, I'll say them again, the Pilgrim, Algonquin, Dominion, and Constitution pipelines were coming through New York at the very time that the fracking ban some of them were crude some of them were high pressure fracked gas uh since then i i mean i it, it this conversation of extractive industry in my backyard made me say wait a minute you are 
stepping up because it's your backyard but your upstream is another man's down and everyone else's up is your down and we're all you better think every drop change your focus in all the places yeah think about every drop of energy every drop of water and so it really shifted everything and the young people stood up Wow. at that college and it brought me into youth leadership it brought me into it brought me off the cushion the water caused me to look at everything and the water it's it's all throughout our language right are we being led to to one day just slide in like all of the other ways that we are desensitized through uh, mainstream media to just be accepting of the part where water could be the new currency Recently, we just heard that Nestle is considering taking their water business out of um, the U.S. Uh, and possibly China, I think they said. But uh, but really, they just want to sell it and they just want to focus on like caffeine water and San Pellegrino and Evian, right? And so we're looking at these these extractive industries that that expect us to be complacent that have um that have that that have expected us to think only uh to think only of our just beyond our own note tip of our nose and what's on the screen in front of us and so we we're disassociating from the nature around us from mm-hmm. uh the 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 um from from the ways that we are being manipulated into uh to desensitizing ourselves from what's happening around us. And so everything changed for me with the water saying, wake up, you asked for community, you asked for um, expansion, you asked for release from constrictive relationships, you asked for Mm. all these things and it was all you had to do was let the water flow in and step into the protection place. And so the waters brought me all over the globe, really, um, energetically, and certainly um, with colleagues from all over the planet who are working to protect and save the water. Um, And not just for the people, but for um, the regeneration of uh, life on the planet. Wow. Yes. This is powerful. I'm with you. So your perspective has just been expanding and you're looking around and seeing these symptoms of extractive industries and the presence of extractive industries and what happens next? Well, I joined the, what happens next for me? Yeah. In that time, like for me, it was like, oh wow. Well, you know what was interesting about what happened was I noticed in this work that uh, I grew up in one of the most progressive communities uh, on the planet, Woodstock, New York, right? Uh-huh. Quote unquote. And yet, that wasn't where I found my work. I, when I looked to these pipelines, a lot of them were in down south of me in New York. Uh, One of them, the Algonquin Pipeline, is a 42-inch fracked gas pipeline that goes 105 feet away from um, Indian Point Nuclear Power Plant, if you can see my air quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
105 feet away from critical safety infrastructure and then 400 feet away from a school and through neighborhoods and all the way up to Maine for export. Mm. And so suddenly I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, I got to think for this. We, we got to look go all the way back. You know, I'm seeing this, this, the end here. I'm seeing New York as becoming a quote unquote uh, FedEx for fossil fuel. As this, as I was stepping in, we had the fracking ban, um, and then uh, Enbridge, which is the company that we see up in Wisconsin, going through the rice fields that Winona LaDuke and her community have been fighting for a long time. Um, they've been coming out of the tar sands. Then we, their Canadian company, yeah. um, we, it, the Algonquin uh, pipeline was uh, Spectra was the company that was putting it through so 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 Enbridge carries crude spectra handles uh fracked gas so spectra is dealing with like the um the, the what was that FERC the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission like that was who they have to go through but like the crude you have to go through the uh the Army Corps of Engineers it's like different bureaus and so while we're going through all this, while Standing Rock is erupting, Winona LaDuke has been calling us to wake up. We just stopped the, the Keystone Pipeline not that long before, really. And now Enbridge and Spectra merge mm. to become the largest company. So now we have crude and fracked gas now one company right so i mean we are we were getting overwhelmed and in all of this is one of the things that i started to learn was how important it is to have your team mm -hmm. you know there are a million fights out there and there are all you have to do is open your heart to what's around you i certainly all i had to do was open my heart to what was around me and in in the real truth of what was the most important was like, where do we see our effectiveness? Where can we see actual movement? Where are we seeing change? Where are we seeing people honoring each other in this work? Mm -hmm. Because that is what is most important. It's almost more important than the issue because pick an issue. Yeah. Somebody, anybody, pick an issue. But look around you and find the people who are going to stick through who are going to be yes. the quote-unquote accomplices versus the allies and then maybe stop for a minute and think about who you're talking to because i can tell you that a lot of the americans that i know watch uh big brother they watch um what's that show uh survivor mm -hmm. i watched those shows recently a couple times and i and i said wow particularly big brother i said wow First of all, um, these people are creating alliances, <clears throat> knowing full well they're going to break them. This is about manipulation. So when, when, when I look and I think about American culture and when I think about the word ally, I think mm -hmm. about uh, the person who is going to align with you as long as it serves them. And then when we think about uh, the accomplice, that's someone who's going to ride the crime all the way to the end. And so um, as we look at these, these um, protecting the water is, shouldn't be a crime. I don't need accomplices to protect the water. Mm. I need family. I need cohorts. I need a community. I need uh, ride or dies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and I don't really need allies. I need family. I need communities. Mm -hmm. I need ride or dies.
So I think a lot around language lately because I have a lot to change in my own um, language and um, our culture is basically just a, 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 such an assaultive language, Western culture language just you know, it's I, me, mine, take some more. Mm -hmm. And so I'm uh, working a lot to try to shift that. And gosh, I've learned so much, Seth. I've learned so much. Like when I first came to Harvest, I was a spectator. Like I felt like I was just joining a family. And what I've learned from you, what I know, like we've been teaching each other and handing and folding this energy back and forth for the last several years in such a beautiful way that brings me back to this idea of um of the teams that we choose mm-hmm. and and in the support that we can give to each other uh with our platforms by passing the mic by um nourishing and nurturing each other's wisdom each other's projects um i believe that in the last six years I was sort of flung into this, the nonprofit industrial complex, a grassroots quote unquote activism, um, workshop culture, um, the, uh, the, the youth, the youth movements. Like Mm -hmm. I was given a really beautiful opportunity to, um, to dig in and learn and then, and, and, find places for my voice and find places for my wisdom and then to come back and go the water has a lot to show you in stillness too Mm. and sometimes we don't need to be on the raft you know paddling as we're going downstream you know or paddling upstream or or lugging uh, big vessels you know, full to get to the place. Sometimes we just need to sit still and, mm-hmm. and be in stillness and uh, and take a moment to observe so that we can begin to move toward these new designs that we're being offered right now with all of these shutdowns and all of these uh, paradigm shifts that are being flung at us. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot we can do in this stillness. And so what I'm, you know, I looked at the grassroots movement and like, it's a great to really be able to move around with one voice with a bunch of people and try to figure out how to like all come in the same way. But like really like the forest, the forest, um, the roots, there's like you can pick up grass and like a whole whole, sh- whole swaths of it mm-hmm. and like by the roots and fling it over there. Mm-hmm. And it's going to grow reactionarily again. But, like, when you go into the forest, like, there are deep roots, and sometimes the shade of this tree allows that bush to grow, and maybe there's, the, the you know, the fallen tree over there is providing homes for so many. There's so much more in the forest than there is in the, on the grass. Mm-hmm. And so to ask each other to all find one voice is, is almost um, barbaric, really. You know, come on, we're all gonna go yell at the thing. No, I'm not a yeller. You're 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 a singer. You're a musician. You're an artist. You're a creative. You're an introvert. Like, how are we gonna come to this work? And so, in the last six years of this, since since I, those words, your water is in play, came very viscerally into my my um, field of vision. Uh. I can say I've learned enough to know that um, 
spending time on that cushion is really important and sometimes more important than standing out in the street and um and that we need to we need to i i invite myself and and others to take those breaks and make deep connection with each other to know that someone's holding uh the bag or the ball that you were holding before we sit down but mm-hmm. that we can um take breaks and that, that this can be a relay yes some beautifully said Rachel yeah i i i keep coming around you know uh, around new new bends in the river in my life and you know sometimes i i go hard and sometimes i need to slow down and i'm i'm in a real place of uh reflection you know having having been forced to to stay off the road here in the last few months and it's so valuable and uh i feel that you know our strength in communities comes so much in our ability to show up whole and and take responsibility for our own healing um and then also to like be able to um have some time to reflect and and nourish and and nurture relationships and and build them in a way that is authentic and that is um you know aligned with the speed of trust as they say um and like i i'm thinking as you're sharing you know i'm thinking back to some sometimes that we've shared you know like i was so honored when you asked me to to um to sort of be a doula in your musical pursuit and, and you came out here wish, and we went wish. to the <laughs> you still have some energy there too huh? yeah i'm ready to keep going and you know you performed at harvest last year which was amazing your set was amazing you came out here in the winter and uh and we did that panel at the Michigan Climate Action Summit, and my car broke down on the <laughs> way down, <laughs> caught fire, and we got towed back and got in your car. We got there five minutes before our panel, and you were amazing. You know, really, really, um, I admire your your courage and your heart and um, the way that you are able to sort of bring people into a sense of of their own uh belonging and ability to to have some agency within the movement and some um some some traction um in in being able to get in like you said you know you know pick an issue and and enter it yourself but also like surround yourself with the people that are that are in it for real and and once you do that you'll find once you take those action steps you'll start to find those people Mm. and by the way just to finish that story about niagara bottling yeah the hudson valley so after i got that message from the other side and i you know, really pushed us to go for this consolidated funding application grant. We got the, um, they, they miraculously postponed this, uh, this award ceremony. And there I was for the first time in my life standing at, at, when we got to the actual day when they did have this, this ceremony, I went there with a sign and like two people, I was basically by myself standing outside of this huge 
award ceremony with a sign that said conscious economic development now and i'm like what am i doing standing here with a sign like i never in a million years <laughs> thought this would be me and and my phone died and as i was down there with this sign and i see the the governor's guys come down the stairs and they're like they see me and they're like oh no and then they get on the phone and they're looking at me and they're getting on and they're making all these calls and they're scuffling around and then they move all of the velvet um you know those little pe the the things you see in the movie theater the separators those velvet like poles with the hanging things whatever mm. they they put these little fences up and they move everybody and they switch so that instead of the entire like municipal body of super town supervisors and big money corporations coming out these big grand doors to see me with my sign they routed them out another door and made them go out the side like little old me i watched them reroute an entire theater full of people and put them to the side and i was like wow and then i got to my car and i look at the phone and they said they didn't give them the money so they what ended up happening was we pushed so hard in our angry mob of uninformed citizens trust me there is value in an angry mob of uninformed citizens no matter how hard they are to work with they helped us and what where we were coming we hit them they pulled that money they had to postpone the entire and I know it came from that. I mean, they said it was about weather, but it really was that. They had to redistribute $10.8 million mm. that was going to go to this company and instead went, I don't know why, I don't know anything beyond that. That came out of, you know, the back doors. But what I, what we got was $10.8 million had to be redistributed in four days. It was the hardest day the Economic Development Council ever knew. No one's ever marched on such a event, mm. and they left two weeks later. And I'll tell you the thing about that, just to wrap this up a little bit, but also to bring some connection um, mm -hmm. into this. The, the connective places of this are so so fascinating. That was the same year that the Flint water crisis happened, mm. and it was with, within a month or two, maybe. Mm. So they left. Niagara left, and they went off to uh, to Connecticut and took. They got their water over in Hartford, and Flint was sacrificed. And I really believe it was Flint was a direct sacrifice to shut up the water. Uh, the anti-Nestle, the crunch-Nestle community, the Niagara was coming hard on the East Coast and all throughout. The water bottling industry was taking a massive hit, particularly Nestle. And when that lever was turned in Flint, I was watching because we were in the middle of it. And suddenly I was in this, like, there was droughts, there was massive conversation, and everything shut up. Yeah the second that lever was turned and we know and michigan knows that there was a direct connection to the municipal government and nestle yeah right we know the wife somebody's wife was like the spokesperson for nestle in michigan mm -hmm. and everybody was quiet and i'm sorry i this i'm just a rebel and i know that you know i I'm just speaking from my own personal observation. 
everything went quiet from then. And 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 it never really picked back up, did it? Nestle is skulking out, but there hasn't been such a national uproar about bottling industry because guess who showed up and donated pallets of water? Like, really? So mm. people have to wake up to the manipulation because it's really, really a lot more obvious than we realize, but there's too much to keep track of. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so yeah, so so we they that was an unprecedented win. In five and a half months, we sent that bottling company away, and it is possible. But it's all, it's so important to do things like keep track of what's happening in the economic development council in your community. Mm-hmm. What kind of businesses are they trying to push through your community? You can see them. It's it's pretty clear. Um, you have to they have to be transparent about who's coming in. So. Um, so yeah, so that that was a big way to step into this work, but like it's not that common that those kind of wins happen, and so I can say it's been exhausting, Seth, and it's been um, a lot. And to look at where we are now in this time of like racial redistribution of power, maybe there's so much happening. And one of the things I want to say that I've really enjoyed about traveling with you is watching the evolution of harvest like that was seven years ago maybe now the first time that i came yeah and to see how far we've come like to feel to to be part of the team that's looking forward into the next 20 years of 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 earthwork harvest gathering and Mm -hmm. to be to be coming closer into community into direct connection and community with title track and to be mm-hmm. making to be bridging these conversations because there is no separation mm-hmm. we are all connected by these waterways by these tributaries you know from extraction i i i'm on the end point of this extractive industry right or partially because we do we have these you know fracked gas power plants uh, an hour in each direction for me right now the largest in the in the country are like right here in the supposedly anti-fracking New York, and yet I wasn't even thinking. It took me to get to Standing Rock. Well, not really, but pretty much to get to Standing Rock to realize, like, from the point of extraction to the point of combustion, it's not just where we stand. It's not just our backyard. Mm-hmm. We are connected. That's real. Yeah, and the extraction and the the consumption or export or, you know, the burning of it is, mm-hmm. th- those are b- both extremely problematic when we're talking about any kind of fossil fuels. But then at all points in between, it's it's real lives that are being disrupted and real watersheds that are being put in jeopardy all along the way. Yeah, and and of course, at the point of extraction, what do we have but um, indigenous communities? Yeah, right. Um, all the way through the all the way down the line, the people who are most affected are the people who are uh, the least privileged. Let's say, yeah, um, they're the people with the least uh, power in those conversations. And it's beautiful to see some of that shift happening, even if it's happening in small spaces. I work in a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. I work with several different uh, organizations in supporting them in coming 
into alignment with um, anti-oppression work and uh, ways of sort of readdressing how uh, some of the designs of these programs and organizations have been designed, you know, not necessarily on, on, on purpose, right? Like by default designed uh, to erase people like myself, people of the global majority, uh, people of the black indigenous um, people of color, LGBTQ community, um, people with disenfranchised financially, a bit physical ability, right? Like all of these places mm-hmm. that are not, that cannot or choose not to conform to the societal norms. I believe that we're actually, come, I think we're getting ready to level some playing fields here. I'm ready. I'm ready. I think it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Like I really do. And I think, yeah. I believe that this, the, the fact that equity is a, is a word on so many tongues right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, amazing. This is big. I mean, it's big, Seth. I mm-hmm. think we could, we can make some ships, and I do want to make some more music, and I want to play more, and I want to make some more art, and I and I want to um, yeah. experience some of the beauty we've been fighting for. Yes. Yes. Well, you deserve it. You know, you. Uh... You're an amazing person. I'm so glad to uh, be walking the path with you. Mm, I feel so fortunate. I really do. I think we've done a lot of growing in the last, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years since we've met. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a lot more to do, and I feel mm-hmm. pretty fortunate. And for the community that you've built and that your community has built together, you know, I just find it. People laugh at me like a lot here they giggle they're like yeah you went to you moved to michigan yeah i did and like covid brought me back here but like michigan is now will always and forever be feel like home to me and Mm -hmm. the beautiful part about it is like i don't know it's just like it's so fascinating to come from such a um from a community that considers itself so so uh progressive and then to to reach out to these places where where you know, we, we live in, in such generalized terms and language and, oh, the Midwest, you're going out to the Midwest, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, yeah, you know what's out in the Midwest? Woodstock in the 70s. How about that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you guys can all giggle at me for, uh, for leaving the progressive community to go to a, you know what? That community, the Earthwork family is some of the richest family I have. And so I just want to thank you and and uh, everybody out there who's listening, wherever you are, for tuning in and for um, for just keeping this spirit alive. Mm. There's a lot to do. And and I feel good knowing we're going to be doing it together. State of Water is powered by the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. This campaign represents an opportunity to help place clean water issues front and center by partnering with environmental organizations across the state, by educating voters, and by urging every candidate running for public office 
to make a strong stand on critical issues affecting Michigan's waters. Using storytelling and music events across the state to amplify the groundswell of public support for clean water issues, this campaign is driven by Michiganders from all walks of life who share a similar priority, protection of our water. Both State of Water and the Clean Water Campaign are programs of the Michigan-based nonprofit Title Track. Their mission, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment. Special thanks to Title Track board member Wayne Junie Ramakan for contributing the music for this episode. Stay safe, stay engaged, and we'll see you next time. Until then, we're with you.